electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The world's richest man in Israel, Elon Musk, touring war-torn sites as part apology for anti-Semitic content on his X platform. Crisis management pro Eric Desenhall on the tweets. Elon Musk, I think most people assume, is probably more of a troll than he is an anti-Semite. And the ads. Musk is a smart guy. These advertisers are smart people. They may know that you can never come out and say that anti-Semitism doesn't carry the same weight as racism, but down deep they know it. CNBC's Eunice Yoon joins us, our Beijing bureau chief making her first trip out of China in four years. There's a public trust issue in China, especially around these national health issues. Plus, China's soon-to-be blockbuster IPO, Republican fundraisers looking into Governor Nikki Haley, and the power of algorithmic ads this holiday. Like, I need this thing. You know that there were a lot of NFL games on Thursday, right? <laughs> it's Tuesday, November 28th. This is a reason to get a Roomba. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back to by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Chinese-founded fast fashion company Shein has filed confidentially to go public in the United States. The retailer was last valued at $66 billion and could be ready to start trading on the public markets as soon as 2024. Shein quickly gained popularity over the last few years with fashion-forward designs that are very cheap, broad selection, low prices. It's also faced challenges, including accusations that it used forced labor in its supply chain, that it violated labor laws and stole designs from independent artists. The company is currently under investigation by the House Select Committee on China. Back in October, newly minted Vice Chair Marcelo Claré told CNBC that Xi'an is cooperating with lawmakers and denied that there is forced labor in factories that he has visited. I had a chance you know, to go to meet with the management team in China. I wanted to do it on purpose. I went to visit lots and lots of factories in China. You know, they're all in the Guangdong province. And what I saw were this, in many cases, small and medium businesses that were thriving because of the demand that Xi'an was generating for them. The company has repeatedly acknowledged that forced labor has been found in its supply chain and said that it's taking steps to fix it. Home Depot co-founder Ken Langone plans to meet with GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley next week in New York as he considers backing her in the presidential primary. Langone told CNBC that Haley is the only person that he sees who can give Donald Trump a run for his money. Uh, Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and uh, a former South Carolina governor, is scheduled to be in New York on Monday for a fundraising event. Langone said he began to sour on his previous first choice, Ron DeSantis, uh, after the Florida governor signed a six-week uh, abortion ban uh, bill. You know, Ken and Langone, Stan Druckenmiller, they go way back, I know, and Stan has made some positive comments about, about, Nikki, Haley about Nikki Haley as well, yeah. so this 
Is Ken Langone, by the way, is going to be on as a guest host with us coming up. Um, I, we moved the date, so I can't remember what day we actually yeah, picked up. He's coming up soon. For a guest host, huh? Uh, he's going to be on for an hour with us from 8 to 9 a.m. Wow. Not many people get to do that anymore. Nope. We do. <laughs> you, feel, you feel special? I do. <laughs> Shares of iRobot are rebounding slightly after a drop of 17% during yesterday's session. The EU's antitrust watchdog warned that Amazon's planned $1.7 billion acquisition of the Roomba, Roomba maker raises competition concerns. That comes after the stock jumped 39% on Friday following a Reuters report that said that the deal was set to win unconditional EU antitrust approval. The EU is expected to rule by February 14th on this deal. That deal is also under review by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission. The U.K.'s market authority said in June that the deal would not result in what they called substantial lessening of competition there. But I will tell you, I've never wanted one of these things until I just saw an Instagram Reels that um, gave me a reason to want this thing before Christmas. You know those games that I was playing, the family games? Yeah, I, I do. Okay, somebody took one of these things taped a knife, a steak knife, on every angle of it, put it in a padded, like, padding around it, and put a bunch of balloons in the middle of it. And all the people, all the family was there, was rooting for one color or another, like all different colors. You wanted your balloon to be the last balloon standing as this thing went around and popped all the rest of them. And I was like, I need this thing. You know that there were a lot of, like, NFL games on Thursday. While you were, <laughs> you, you've got... <laughs> <laughs> this is a room reason to get a, a, a Roomba. It was like, oh, that could work. To, to put a bunch of... <laughs> I wouldn't want, like, that kids nowadays. Out. Yeah, kids no, no, nowadays no, was, putting it, it was, on there. It, it had, they, they kept it very controlled. They had pads that went around to keep it in a controlled area. I mean, even those other games we were doing were just... Was, I'm not coming over. Dancing and... Uh, uh, yeah, well, I'm not invited, so <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Coming up, did you, uh, you, you weren't starstruck? By what? Oh, by who we have in our, in our, in our makeup room right now? Yeah. Yes, I am. Yes. I was got tongue-tied. Eunice Yoon. Eunice Yoon in, is- In the flesh. Is here. Yeah. She's here all the way uh, from the other side of the world. Um, we're gonna have her on eventually. Then later, Sports Illustrated uh, responding after a news publication provided evidence that it published articles by fake authors with AI-generated Profile pictures. That's crazy. No, can I say it? No word yet on those swimsuit models. Are they real? I mean, do we, uh, they, is that all hey, we AI? Had Mar we had Martha Stewart in studio. Oh, that's right. That's right. She, she, she was actually real. I don't know about the other ones. They might all be AI generated. Sorry, fellas. Stay tuned. Much more Squawk Pod to come, including Elon Musk's trip to Israel. A crisis management expert weighs in. This was a powerful visit. It certainly won't cure things with everybody, but I do think it's going to help cauterize things with a certain percentage of advertisers. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. The Israel and Hamas temporary truce in Gaza is in its fifth day. The hope is that Hamas will free more hostages during the pause in fighting. So far, 69 captives have been released of about 240. Now, amid the ceasefire, Elon Musk arrived in Israel to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Israeli officials. Musk's visit comes at a time that could be pivotal for his role atop X, the social media platform once known as Twitter. Here's a recap on the world of X. Almost two weeks ago, a user on the platform posted in part, quote, Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them, end quote. Elon Musk responded to this tweet, quote, you have said the actual truth. The exchange reignited concern that Musk is anti-Semitic, which is why, on our TV broadcast last week, executive consultant and author Eric Desenhall said that the Tesla chief and ex-owner might be on notice. I think there is this ongoing career death watch for Elon Musk. Has he finally gone too far? And the answer for 52 years has been no. There has not been any, any sanction. Desenhall joined us again this morning with an update. Now that Musk has gone to Israel, did he prove a point to his advertisers and his critics? Here's Becky. Following the backlash of what many called an anti-Semitic post, embattled ex-owner Elon Musk visited Israel to meet with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu and visit sites of the terrorist attacks. Our next guest says that while the trip won't convince all advertisers to come back, it may keep some who were on the fence about leaving from walking away. Joining us right now is Eric Desenhall. He's the chairman of Desenhall Resources. And Eric, this has been a, a bit of a tour, uh, tour de force, you might say, since Elon Musk has gotten so um, attacked for the anti-Semitic post that he re retweeted and kind of commented on a couple of weeks ago. Um, what did you think yeah. of this visit? What did you think of what he said? Because his commentary there was pretty moving. Good move. I mean, Elon Musk is able to get meetings that most of us can't. He's the richest man in the world, <clears throat> one of the most powerful. Being able to get a meeting with the prime minister of Israel in the middle of a war is pretty impressive. And I think a certain percentage of his advertisers, what they're kind of looking for is some body language that he's still alive and kicking. Uh, as we talked about last time, there's always been this career death watch around Musk that never happens. Uh, he beats it every time. And I do think that this was a powerful visit. It may not, it certainly won't uh, cure cure things with everybody, um, but I do think it's going to help cauterize things with a certain percentage of advertisers. He tweeted himself just as he was arriving, um, actions speak louder than words. What do you take out of that? Well, I, I think people know. I mean, it's it's sort of like Donald Trump. People know that not everything he says is to be calibrated at the value of the actual words. I mean, Elon Musk, I think most people assume, is probably more uh, of a troll than he is an anti-Semite. People know that when Donald Trump 
um, one day says, yeah, I know mobsters. And the next day he says, I've never met a mobster. That's just what he does. And it's kind of built into his stock price. So I think people are saying, watch what I do. Do you seriously think a real anti-Semite would go to Israel? Now, well, the answer is we don't know what he is inside, but it is a very powerful gesture. Now, what this won't do is we have to keep in mind that a certain percentage of his critics really don't care about the anti-Semitism. They want to knock him off because they don't like his politics, and anti-Semitism is an excuse to do so. The other thing I think we have to keep in mind is that anti-Semitism doesn't have the radioactivity that racism does. And so Musk is a smart guy. These advertisers are smart people. They may know that you can never come out and say that anti-Semitism doesn't carry the same weight uh, as racism, but down deep they know it. How, how much of the concerns about X are Elon Musk and how much is just a concern about other postings on the site? I mean, if I'm an advertiser, I think about making sure that my ad is effective, that it's not hurting my brand, that I'm around things that, that are giving me a halo effect, not potentially damaging them. And this is about much more than what Elon Musk may have posted or reposted. I think that's right, but there are ways to tell an advertiser, we are doing these three things to make sure it doesn't happen again. There's a quantifiable way to measure it, and then people can check to see if it's true. I think that that is something in the crisis management world where if you can quantify what you're doing, which is rare, you're going to calm a certain number of people down, just like if there is a product recall uh, of, a, of, a, of a car and you say, if you drive a Toyota Camry manufactured between 2017 and 2019 in the West Coast, bring your car in for a recall. Well, people can calibrate that. They can say, oh, well, I don't have that call. That's not my car. That's not my problem. Uh, so I don't have to worry about it. I think that the advertisers are going to be able to do that. I think what they're worried about is what is he going to uh, tweet or X out next? And what is that going to mean investment wise? What's it going to be if you if uh, you manufacture a Tesla? Is the same thing going to happen to Tesla as happened uh, to Mercedes in the 50s and 60s? You know, Eric, there is a there is a line that I think Elon could cross where, where he would be canceled. And I don't think he's crossed it yet. And, and, and I look at, when I look at the retweet, I look at the repost of what he had on, on a scale one to 10 for anti-Semitism. That was like a, I understand you can't say, look, uh, because you did this, you've brought this upon yourself. You can never say that about October 7th. You can never say that. But on a scale one to 10, what I see on the average college, college campus in terms of anti-Semitism, is about a, a 12. And what Elon Musk was saying at that point was, you know, if you embrace wokeness, one of the basic tenets of wokeness seems to be anti-Semitism. The far left seems to have a, a almost, they don't have a, a, a monopoly on anti-Semitism, but I think of the, those idiots in Charlottesville with the, with the torches. How many of those, are there a lot of them around compared to what we're seeing on college campuses? Right, but one is unacceptable and one they're isn't. Both, I mean, when you, we, why? We, why is the other one acceptable? Why? Is, well, because, because, it's because of ancient, because of ancient prejudices. Thing, oppressor, oppressed. Well, well or yes. Have, I mean, have I, I think or I we mean, don't want Susan, to believe. What's Susan Sarandon we, thinking? What is she? Tell, explain that to me. What she's thinking is that there is no risk. There is no risk. 
And when the fact that you can go on Instagram right now and see professors uh, and their posts about Jews, the fact that you, Susan Sarandon, can do this, the fact that you have people ripping All down these posters. Are liberals, progressives, Eric, right? But, they, but in, yes, but in their minds, they are doing something that is standing up to the man. And right. that is not considered a violation or right. you wouldn't do it on camera. Remember, this stuff is happening on camera. Most racism that you see is somebody quietly saying to somebody over a few drinks what they secretly believe. This oh. is not what people secretly believe. This is being filmed and people are not afraid to do it, which tells you what the baseline is. Elon Musk knows this, and I think that you're right. It, it was a boneheaded move for him to agree with somebody who made a boneheaded remark uh, about what Jewish people are said to have engineered in some way. Well, that's okay. It yeah, is, I didn't even, I've never even heard of that crazy conspiracy. So that, that one was, was a new one on me. But just saying, I don't understand why liberals are, are invariably more. I, I, that's, that's because. This, go ahead. There, the, because there is, has been in the university system uh, a concept, a paradigm of oppressor and oppressed. It is very binary. People only understand that way. And because the Jewish community is perceived as having power, they must therefore be the oppressed, never mind the fact that Israel was occupied for 2,000 years. You're also combining that with an ancient prejudice. Whereas, uh, you know, certainly if somebody were, were racist or sexist 2,000 years ago, it would be a bad thing, but it didn't have the kind of sanction that it has since the 1960s. I mean, remember, you had United States presidents using certain epithets uh, up until the 1940s or 50s, and even Lyndon Johnson said certain things things in private, but it was in private. Um, and I think what we're talking about here is people feel emboldened. And a lot of things come back to whether you feel emboldened. And when you are dealing with a client, somebody like Elon Musk, the rules, he doesn't think the rules are different for him. They actually are until sometimes they're not. He has not crossed that line. And yeah. even though some people reacted to what I said last week about there being this death watch of his career, that doesn't mean that that death watch has happened. It means people want it to happen, not that he's going to cross that line or, ha or has come close to it. I think that he is sitting pretty well, although somewhat vulnerable, on his, re his retweet. Yeah, we know why they want, they're on the death watch, too, because he, he took away a very powerful uh, tool for the left that would print only what they really liked. And then anything that, that didn't, didn't go into their POV wasn't going to be there. No laptops, well, yes. no laptops, no Wuhan labs, no nothing, just all safe stuff. It's, yes, it's and I say, I now think they hate that him. In the, right. And I think in the news media, there have been certain referees for the better part of 50 years yeah. who are, by and large, of a particular media persuasion. Now they oh, don't have yeah. power. When people lose their power, they don't like it. Exactly. Eric, thanks for coming on today. You bet. A report published yesterday by Futurism called out Sports Illustrated for publishing articles from apparently non-existent authors with AI-generated headshots. Futurism provided evidence that the photos of several authors who were listed on Sports Illustrated's website 
were available for purchase on a website that sells AI-generated headshots. The photo in the bio of Drew Ortiz was available for purchase on a website with the description, neutral white young adult male with short brown hair and blue eyes. Another author bio, Sora Tanaka, also featured a headshot available for purchase on the AI website. The Arena Group, which publishes Sports Illustrated, said that the content in question came from a third party called Advon Commerce, which supplied the post. Sports Illustrated ended that partnership, as you might anticipate. Futurism also, though, found similar AI-generated author bios on the street. That's a financial publi uh, publication that was co-founded by Jim Cramer that was bought by the Arena Group in 2019. Jim hasn't had an affiliation with TheStreet.com since 2019. Um, but this tells you a little bit about how tricky it's going to be to be able to tell uh, truth from reality. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how I feel. I mean, it's just so weird that, you know, in a year, suddenly we're considering things like this yeah, like, that, that are actually happening. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out, do I care? Drew seemed like a nice enough guy. I mean, if it's a decent article. Do you want to know what's do made I? up? Yeah. It's not made up. It's as good as, it might be better than what the real, if there were a real Drew Ortiz, but it, you probably, if you're, if you're presenting it as an actual person. publication right. that was written by an actual person, it's probably, you know, you should probably not like that, but I'm just, you know, just barely reading the article anyway in Sports Illustrated. But we, I don't went, really care. we went from the idea that, okay, this is something that's basically used by students who are cheating on their papers they're turning into. This is popping up in actual publications. Well, this would definitely disrupt us because it's just the next step. Yeah. You know, a picture with an article isn't that much different than generating a computer. Next headroom. Yes. And it, it would probably stutter less and have... When there was, it would definitely hit time cues. have a gap in his teeth. And, it would definitely I mean, listen to the producers when they said. Right. Yeah, right. Cleaner, you know, whiter teeth. There would be a lot of improvements. On all of us. Not you. <laughs> Coming up. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> several yeah, major, say that. <laughs> several major uh, U.S. companies uh, urging executives to use burner phones when visiting Hong Kong. That's one of several big topics that we're going to be tackling. I told you about this. CNBC's Beijing bureau chief. She's in the United States, she's in New York, she's in Times Square, she'll be on the set. Eunice Yoon. Cheese will be next. Our CNBC Beijing bureau chief, Eunice Yoon, next on Squawk Pod. We've been getting such a barrage of anti-American messaging. And then suddenly around, around Xi Jinping's visit, it's all about cooperation and oh, the U.S. has seen its wrong ways and is now working with us. The Chinese perception of America right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan. Uh, along with uh, Becky Quick. 
Two major companies, Deloitte and KPMG, are asking U.S.-based staff to use burner phones when they visit Hong Kong. The FT reports that those companies advise some executives to not use their usual work phones when traveling there. The issue is the risk of hacks and data theft, especially in the wake of Beijing's 2020 national security law governing Hong Kong. Joining us right now to cover a wide range of topics on China is our very own Beijing bureau chief and senior correspondent, Eunice Yoon. Wow. Eunice, it's great to see you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Uh, Four years. A long-awaited, <laughs> a long-awaited home vacation. And you're yeah. not, it's not an AI-generated. No, this you're, is. You're actually, no. you're actually <laughs> I'm really here. here. I'm yeah. here. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. It's like, is it good to be home, honestly? Like, yeah. It's been a long time since you've had a Thanksgiving. You got to come. And, yeah, yeah, I had Thanksgiving last week. It was just, I haven't had that in a while. She claims Indiana as her yeah. state where she's <laughs> because from. Because all good that's things come from Indiana. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> second time I've heard <laughs> both of you. Yeah. Well, I, I, have an, I have empathy. And, as a neighbor? And, yeah, the tri-state, the, the actual tri-state area is... Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana. Indiana. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And southern Indiana. (laughs) Real tri-stater. Yeah. Uh, Eunice, let's talk a little bit about some of these stories, including this idea that if you're traveling to Hong Kong, maybe you should do what these firms are suggesting and and not bring your real phone. That's been something that's been around for quite some time. I think it just depends on the level of of awareness or concern that you have about your data. So uh, maybe what's also new is that it's Hong Kong as opposed to mainland China, which right. uh, traditionally uh, people would fear, feel that mainland China has more exposure to their data uh, being taken or, or viewed. But uh, yeah, I know, now it's, it's pretty much all the same. A lot of people, a lot of people that I talk to do the same thing. Do the same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, last night I saw a really interesting story that you were covering uh, on Last Call, where mm-hmm. you talked about the rise of children's respiratory illnesses. Oh. And yeah. you had lots of pictures of these Right. Please, no. Hospitals that were jammed, emergency yeah. rooms that were jammed. They're all kids. over the internet. Yeah. There are a lot of videos that have come up showing the um, pediatric wards in different cities that are being jammed, like you said, with uh, children who are sick. And it's been raising a lot of concerns. So people have been masking a lot more. They've been worried about um, whether or not this could be a new variant of COVID-19. Is this a new pathogen? But the authorities have said that this is not a new pathogen. The WHO has also taken that line. In fact, it looks as though the WHO has said that it's similar to what we've seen in other countries. Like here, when I was in China, you know, over a year ago, um, you guys were worried last about year, like RSV and all these things. Last year and the year before right. when things started because opening up, you had right. kids who got sick for the first time who hadn't been exposed right. to so many diseases. Exactly. That normally, when, when there wasn't a lockdown, you would kind of see a rolling effect of these things. Everybody got it at the same time. We ran out of children's Tylenol and the rest right. of it. But I don't necessarily believe what Chinese authorities say on these things. Right, and I think uh, that is, and that's a big issue yeah. for China. There's an H1N1 uh, case in uh, the UK, a swine flu. And, and, but think about how we view these things now. Do you remember how we used to view these things? Ah, no big deal. SARS. You yeah. know, they, we always worry about them, and nothing ever happens. Yeah. Well, now we know uh, that each one of these things. Yeah, and there's a public trust issue in China, especially around these national health issues. And so I think that's what, for you too, when you were saying that. Yeah, I'd just, like to say that I believe WHO. I'm not sure I believe them either. Right, and, and we're the kind WHO of has, up for a lot of the stuff that happened last time around. But the also. WHO has even been pressing China on the origins of the coronavirus and wanting to co- have Beijing cooperate more. Four and, years later. But that, but yeah, but it's just that. And so China has a big trust issue when it comes to these issues. So you were over there after yeah. uh, the 
Biden Xi meeting, mm -hmm. there was a. Did you notice just a really great shift in the way it was being covered, and suddenly we weren't horrible. The United oh, States wasn't a horrible yes. place. Suddenly, well, you're was, talking about the state. Media it's coverage. like they like they like President Xi. We like it's them like a now. 180. Was yeah. it really? You noticed that because what? it's just we've been getting such a barrage of anti-American um, messaging, and just that. The U.S. is always the competitor. The U.S. is always in chaos. The U.S. is always the one that that is um, trying to contain China. And then um, suddenly, around, around Xi Jinping's visit, it's all about cooperation. And oh, the U.S. has seen its wrong ways and is now working oh, with we us. Have. Yeah. So it was. It, so it's yeah. So that's that was a really different. And it, it continues today. I mean, there's a lot of discussion now about ways in which the U.S. and China can work together. Um, this uh, this uh, over these next couple of days, uh, President Xi is supposed to be going to Shanghai, and then also talking about how can we get more foreign investors to come and what can we do to um, improve the private business environment. Um, but of course, then the the issue, the other issue, is that you have uh, these consulting firms or other uh, foreign executives who feel that they need to bring in burner phones into Hong Kong, yep. or who are worried about being detained, and uh, that's a real. Concern. We, we heard so, that, that yeah. President Xi was going to be sizing up um, uh, President Biden mm -hmm. in, in anticipation of if he were to be reelected for another four years. Do, you, mm -hmm. do they print that over there? That, that he in, in, no, they don't. <laughs> There's a whole lot of black See, box going on. Oh, the, the conspiracy theories over here are that <laughs> China still wants to, to supplant. The U.S. and the world order, and, and yeah, I think someday. that's clear. Okay, they still yeah. want to do that. When they've seen, you know, he seemed nice and conciliatory, and said, you know, the the world is big enough for for both of us, and all yeah. that. Stuff. But the, the, some people are saying that we were too nice, and that President Biden is not, I don't know, is is too weak to confront China in the way that that China should be confronted. They wouldn't, you wouldn't see that in print. But I think that there's a reality where both China and the U.S. are on the planet, and there are a lot of businesses that do want to do things together, and there are a lot of, there's a huge market and a lot of wonderful people and incredibly creative private business there, and, um, and people in the, in the government, too, who are so how do you nice. how do you so, reconcile that with what goes on in the South China Sea and in military right. bases next to Cuba and spy balloons? Yeah. And, and how does that all... It's just we got to cover our bases. Is that what? Well, she I think thinks? what's well, no. It's just I think that with President Xi, he's bringing the country in a certain direction, and so then you see that there are other layers within China who don't necessarily agree with that or who want to see something different, and so it's 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 very it's very difficult because the way that because I think that the way that the structure is right now, it's allowing for more extreme behavior because everyone is paranoid and concerned about. What President Xi thinks, you know, whether uh, we don't know whether what kind of information he gets about what's happening. Yeah, yeah about what's happening. Do you see what, huge what his next move will be? Well, because like uh, like the economy is doing poorly, mm -hmm. right? And uh, from a Chinese perspective, right? And um, people don't necessarily know if he's getting full information about what's going on in the ground. You know, I mean, are so, there empty apartment buildings? Do you, for example, yeah. do you have an entire apartment building? You just Pick a different unit to, to, to go home to. There, there's there, there are empty apartments. How? How when there's a this billion people or yeah. however many there are? How can there be a, a, a empty? Apartment? There's been a lot of construction going. So there on has there. been, and there's yeah, a big. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. still. 
being dealt with yeah, in terms the, of the bubble. Yeah. And people are very concerned about the values of properties as well. Um, maybe not as much in places like Beijing or in Shanghai where there's That's more demand, it but is. it's okay. even yeah, but it's it's still even a concern there. How effective is the the propaganda push in terms of saying, okay, all Americans are bad, yeah. we want to whip up a nationalist fervor, yeah. and then okay, wait, we're going to be partners again. Doing, it's, does it's, that lead the population one direction? Or the I mean, just I, I think it's very difficult for for anybody to say because we don't have any. Polling, of, yeah. yeah, for Not like that all we trust our polls either. But um, yeah, so it's it's difficult to say. But I think that it is effective. I've, I mean, I've just been surprised at how many um, times when I've gone out and talked to people about, say, what's happening in Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. You know, with the U.S. is talking about, oh, forced labor. It's very obvious, and all the concentration camps there and everything. And then you talk to people and they just don't get the same messaging. So they'll say, why why does America hate? Uyghur people and Xinjiang cotton, and why do they why wow. do they hate it? You know, just um, we should be allowed to sell cotton, and we support Xinjiang people. You know, so it's just it's to, it's to really the point that they don't want to buy U.S. products. I guess is my is my question. Does that hurt sales of Apple iPhones, as we've heard to some extent? Does it hurt? I find the, it very conflicted. You could talk to the same person, and they'll say, "Oh, I love President Xi. I love the Communist Party. I am a, a card-carrying member of the Communist Party." And Apple's amazing. And wow, did you see what <laughs> happened at Beijing, uh, Beijing yeah. <laughs> Universal Resort? Oh, wow, the Americans really know how to sell people things that they don't think that they need. Wow, <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, a, it's just this conflict. Or if you talk to somebody who's a, who will um, talk about how horrible, um, about how, or no, how will praise presidency or praise the Chinese system versus the U.S. system and wonder why the U.S. is trying to keep China down, they'll say, if you say, Can, I'm going to give you a visa, to the United States, or you know, now things are opening up. They're like amazing, and then they want to go. You know, everybody yeah. wants to come. So it's just, so it's really you could have, yeah, you could have uh, two ideas in your head. Soon. You have more fans, <laughs> NBA fans, in yeah. China than total NBA fans in, in the United States. Yeah. How does that finally? What finally? I mean, we, we, we now have early Sunday games to watch that come from Frankfurt on the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just wondering what finally happens with. With the NBA, can can they visit? Can they play? Would that ever? I, I mean, it's from a six hundred million fans, huge. Yeah, rabid it's huge. Fans. It's huge. So, from a consumer perspective, you know, of course, everybody wants the NBA to come. Of course, NBA would. I mean, they, they that would be beneficial for both. But um, from the Chinese perspective, it just they want to also, um, from the Chinese government perspective, they want to make sure that the the narrative is in line with the Communist Party. Oh, that the no Communist good. Party is. Yeah, and President Xi in particular is infallible that um, that um, things are, you know, that, that the politics are all in line. So that becomes more of an issue. Um, but then, you know, they do understand, though, from a, I think from the government perspective, that, that Chinese people do. Like you know what, when you do stop doing this, you need to, to run for office over here because the way, you, <laughs> the way she threads the needle, because you're going back, and yet you answer all the yeah. questions, but... Uh, they welcome you back anyway, somehow. Yeah. I don't know. It's amazing. Yeah, you got to run. <laughs> should run for office. <laughs> and that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern or get the best of our show anytime for free when you follow Squawk Pod. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great Tuesday and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.